Giants 20, Commanders 12. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got ourselves a victory podcast. It's been a while. It's been since the Texans game, since you got to hear the victory uh, Monday music. Um, but the Giants win a game that they absolutely had to win. They win their first primetime game with Daniel Jones as quarterback. And this is the first primetime game we've recorded in Talking Giants history that the Giants have won. Usually primetime games are the most miserable recording sessions we've ever had. Especially late in the season. You know, I remember 2019 versus the Eagles was just like, I, I'm done. But now we are winning and we are in prime position to make the playoffs, Justin. Yeah, man. Love that P word. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Hi, producer Julian. Hi, Patreon chat. Hi, everyone who's listening to this. The New York football giants just won a December divisional Sunday night football game. On the back of their defense, a pass rush, an eight-and-a-half-minute, 18-play, 98-yard drive, winning situational football, a little bit of luck, and like Bobby said, now the nerds say that there's a 90% chance that we're going to the playoffs. Good morning. Happy Victory Monday. We freaking did it, man. We deserve this. Let's talk about it, there's Bobby. Def- We're going to do what we there's do. There's definitely some ugly things about this game, obviously. You know, they don't, don't they care. only scored 13 points on offense. The pass rush won the game on defense, but there's some defensive stuff we'll talk about that was that was really bad. But this was a game where, again, they were 7-5-1, and one, both these teams. This game essentially decides which one of these teams makes the playoffs. So yeah. the Giants win it. They pull out a way. You find a way to win. They are now 8-5-1. and one. The Commanders are 7-6-1. But they're essentially two games up on the Commanders because they own the tiebreaker with them. And then they're uh, a game and a half up on Seattle and Detroit, who are both 7-7. and Now, they don't have tiebreakers with them, but it doesn't matter because unless they tie, those tiebreakers won't come into place. you know. And then the Commanders have the 49ers, Browns, Cowboys, the Lions. They've got a a nice schedule, Panthers, Bears, and Packers. But the Seahawks have the Chiefs, Jets, and Rams, you know. And again, two of those four teams, including us, will make it. And I really think this, this, like you said, this win was, we said it on the pregame live stream, Justin, that for the Giants and Giants fans and and us alike, that a win and a loss would have, there hadn't been a game in like since the 2016 playoff game where the, the range of emotions between a win and a loss were so big because you win we're like we're sitting here talking playoffs you lose and it's like this team has totally tanked the last six games of the season yeah even like the 2020 week 17 we're still feeling very dirty if we somehow sneak into the playoffs at six and ten so this win means everything because the main difference between this and the 2020 week 17 is that the giants were just hoping the eagles would pull it out 
and our destiny was in somebody else's hands versus this is what we said all week. And, you know, even just after the tie against the Commanders, too, we kind of knew that the Eagles game would be a dud. But after the tie with the Commanders game, we circled this game on our calendars and we said the Giants have an opportunity to take care of their destiny and they control their destiny. They freaking did it, man. They won. I know there was luck. I know there's some bad stuff that happened. Ba ba ba. Darnay Holmes, don't care. I mean, the, the NFL is so, I mean, we saw it on Saturday. We saw it on Saturday with the Colts and the Vikings. The NFL is so, like, fugazi at times. And the difference between being 8-5-1 and one and, you know, 5-8-1 and one or having a losing record if all of these one-possession games go the opposite way from the Giants' results so far this season, then, yeah, maybe the Giants have a top-five pick. That's the NFL. I don't want to hear that as like an excuse or a reason to not believe in the Giants. This is the NFL. The NFL is tight every single week. It's the best sport in the world. It's competitive football every single week. And if your team is good, your team should be in those competitive games every single week. You're not going to be blowing everybody out every single week. Giants find a way to win. So we'll we'll get into it in a second. We're going to talk about the pass rush. First, it's been a while. It's been since week two, I think. Want to ask our listeners sure. to do something for us? One, I saw our Spotify rap for Talking Giants, which I didn't know you could do. In fact, I was I I was checking the Anchor app for something, and Anchor's owned by Spotify now. And they gave us our rap. I didn't realize over fifty percent of our new listeners came from people sharing the podcast with friends. So like that's huge. And I was like, hey, this is a huge win. Share it with a buddy. One, and then two, the easiest thing if you don't want to share it with a friend and and risk your reputation, which I think you should do, but nonetheless. <laughs> What you can do that's the easiest thing in the world is just leave us a five-star rating review. Like by the time I'm done with this sentence, you can leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. That's the main thing. Like we try what did we we tried to get to number two in the football charts earlier in the year. I think we got to what? Five? Yeah, we, we, we came close. Uh, you know, subscribe, uh, unsubscribe, resubscribe, do that a bunch of I times. I want to get the number two. Leave a five star rating. I want to get us the two. I want to pass. Uh, I want to pass Talking Yanks. I want to pass our bosses, uh, John Boy and Jake, and they have like two point four k, and we're approaching two point one k. So let's pass our bosses, even though I, I, they don't really care about it, but we do. I care about it, uh, and I care about the listeners. But let's get into this game, Justin. Let's the pass it. rush won this game. The pass rush had three sacks, eight QB hits, and two forced fumbles. The fumbles created seven points with the Kayvon Thibodeau touchdown, and they took away three points at the end of the game, which absolutely mattered. Kayvon said, they asked him if he liked primetime, and he said, primetime likes me. Well, that's been true. That Dallas game was mm-hmm. his best game on film. This game, 12 tackles, one sack, three tackles for a loss, a QB hit, and a huge, huge touchdown. Kayvon went off this game, like, and and he was all over the field. There was plays where he was chasing it down from the backside of the play, and uh, you know, uh, stuck. Like, was there really only good run defense they had at all in the game? And then again, that sack down there when it matters, being able to strip the ball away, unlike he did two weeks ago, pick it up and score a touchdown. Uh, we are seeing the fruits of drafting a pass rusher fifth overall. Yeah, Kayvon. I mean, just unreal game this is why you draft the guy in the top five of the nfl draft like bobby said that was shades of like oc Uminura 
you know, stripping that ball and you know, not only stripping it, but just getting in the end zone. That's so huge. So huge when you have an offense that, you know, you're not sure if you give your offense back, you know, if you give your offense the ball in that situation, you're not even sure if they can even get seven points out of it. But man, just recovering that in the end zone was super, super awesome. And we we even saw so we saw shades of OCU in Europe with that with the strip right there. You know, uh, also I love the it was like power to speed that he did too, where it looked like he initially was going to do a bull rush, got his hands on him, got him off balance, and then just swiped those hands away and able to work the speed around the outside and finishing. How many times have we said throughout the season, Bobby, we think Kayvon's just kind of working a little too much power. He's just trying to bull rush a little too much, but we haven't seen the speed. Boom, we've seen the speed the last couple of weeks, and that's been awesome, but he's still working power at the same time too. Um, so that's super, super awesome. I said coming into this game, Bobby, I kind of just had this thought like this morning and this afternoon, you know, going through the Sunday night football vibes and reliving some of the best moments that the Giants have had in Sunday night football, you know, because I just I love Sunday night football. And I just like I'm I'm sitting there thinking, man, we got to like get some of that 2007 Eagles where we sacked Donovan McNabb a shit ton of times. OC had like six sacks in that game. We got to get like the 2010 Bears where the Giants had like nine sacks in the first half. I just felt like the Giants needed one of those games from their pass rush, like a like a memorable moments on Sunday Night Football where the pass rush is coming through. Because really, that's been the strength of this team the last couple of weeks. I just felt like we needed that. And sure, they didn't have like 12 sacks, nine sacks. But each of the sacks that they had in in this game, they had three sacks, they were super ultra important. Shout out Ryder Anderson and Timon Fox. The first sack came on a third and nine from the Giants' 31-yard line. They get that sack, and the commanders have to punt. The second sack results in seven points, Kayvon Thibodeau, touchdown. And then the third sack, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari, Leonard Williams recovers the fumble, Awesome challenge by Brian Dable, too. I want to talk about, like, the quality control coaches, too, when we talk about the offense. That was a sack, and that they were at, it was a third and four from the Giants' five-yard line, and the Giants get the ball back, which leads to some Saquon Barkley runs. The Giants hold the ball, eventually get the field goal. Giants are up 20-12. to So, basically, all of the awesome things that happened in this game, besides that 18-play drive, it was forced by this pass rush. Awesome, awesome, awesome to see we made a memory on Sunday Night Football. Oh, defensively, their whole defense was predicated on pass rush. Like, we'll, we'll talk about how bad the run defense was in certain aspects and then, you know, the pass, you know, the, the, the coverage on the back end. I mean, their only defense in this game was the pass rush. That is the only time. And that's kind of what we've talked about with Wink as one as this team has gotten banged up with key players like Adore and Xavier McKinney being out. Um, it's like you kind of have to you can't you can't live afraid of this the coverage or the run defense you know and that's why you know they gave 48 points to the Eagles and I was like I have no problem with the way Wink Martindale called this game because if they sit back in zone they're going to get torn up and the only way to beat one that Eagles team and then this game versus the Commanders defensively is to just you got to go for negative plays you got to force negative plays and end drives with negative plays and sitting back in zone and being afraid that Terry McLaurin's going to burn you or Jahan Dotson's going to burn you is not going to win this game um, versus these receivers they are going to get the ball out they're going to run the ball well if you do that so you had to live off negative plays and that is exactly what this uh this pass rush did you know like and cave on um you know they they created negative plays and and it led to the giants getting the ball back from punts and then yep. two turnovers which again the 
Kayvon turned for some with that seven points. The sack at the end of the game by Dex and Aziz. That takes three points off the board one. And then the Giants, you know, uh, you know, run the rock and get three points to make it an eight point game. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, I already broke it down. Yeah, right on. Um yeah, pressure breaks pipes, man. Pressure breaks pipes. Um, you know, forcing those negative plays were super, super important. And it just ba- like I had this moment. I was driving home from Snacks' house, and I'm just like, Wink deserves so much more credit for what he's doing with the defense right now. You saw it in the significance of the negative plays that we already kind of broke down, but just think of think of the hand that Wink Martindale has been dealt, especially with the injuries of Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney. Um, I would say Dexter Lawrence obviously has been, I think, just the Giants' best player um, on the team year-round, but definitely on the defensive side of the ball, Xavier McKinney and Adoree Jackson have been the second and the best, the second and the third best players on that Giants' defense side of the ball. And then both of them are also in the secondary, too. So the fact that he lost both of those guys, I think the hand that Wink Martindale has been dealt this second half of the season is much more difficult than what you know, you know basically Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have been dealing with on the offensive side of the ball. Would you agree with that? Oh, not even without a doubt. I mean, three of their starting five DBs were not on the Giants roster when they cut down the 53. You know, Nick, Nick McLeod, Fabian Moreau, and, and Jason, uh, Jason Pinnock. You know, and your linebacker like group is trash. You know, they have they have a good front four right now. Like with Adore Jackson and Xavier McKinney out, the defense is a good front four with a solid safety and Julian Love. That's what the defense is right now. Like you you are only relying on a front four. So yeah, with what, what Wink Martindale's been able to do, where a lot of coaches would go into their shell and be be afraid with what they're dealing with. No, they've they've. To dial up the pressure, especially on key downs, and it leads to you know like the Jason Pinnock you know QB hit on third down that you know st- uh, gets a stop. Um, and again, like we talked about, Kayvon Dexter Lawrence had three QB hits in this game. He had a half a sack Aziz. in the fourth fumble. Azizo Jalari two uh, QB hits and a half sack. You know Leonard Williams like that. Azizo Jalari Dexter Lawrence forced fumble that was by a Leonard Williams win. You know, Ryder Anderson, who, by the way, the second game in a row with a sack, a tackle for loss, and a QB hit. Mm. Shout out our Andrew Thomas interview podcast. Uh, guy went from a rookie minicamp invite to, you know, he had a, a sack in back-to-back games of being on the active roster. I'm Ralston. so pumped for him. Thanks, thanks yeah. to Dexter, you know, thanks to Dexter Lawrence. So, just constantly creating pressure. And then, again, when you have those front four guys you got to worry about, the blitzes work better. Because it's like, hey, we got to make sure we block this guy on third down. And... So like that 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 Jason Pinnock sack, like great third down call by Wink Martindale, where you put six in the box, they go out of empty, which I don't know why you would ever go against against the Giants in empty on third and long. They've got six in the box. They drop out Kayvon Thibodeau, have him jam somebody out, drop out Jalen Smith, and then we'll have uh or you drop out Azizo Joy, have Kayvon work outside in, and then you have Pinnock rushing free off the edge and he gets a QB hit on the blind side of Taylor Heineke. Like if they if teams want to do that stuff, we'll we'll send we'll send it at you. Yeah, Bobby, and it's so crazy. Like they showed a graphic, you know, on Sunday Night Football. They showed a graphic that you know Wink Martindale leads the league in blitz rate, and his blitz rate this year I think is like forty nine percent. They charted in twenty eighteen to twenty twenty one with the Ravens, it was forty four percent. You just you know called an example example where Jason Pinnock gets that QB hit on that third down, um, you know, forces an incompletion. Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, somebody drops back into coverage. 
I don't even think Wink Martindale has gone so like mad scientist bananas crazy with blitzing this year because usually when he brings like a blitz, like he'll bring a, a slot corner, he'll bring a safety down, a, a linebacker, etc. Somebody is always dropping back. So I really don't feel it. We haven't seen a ton of these like cover zero blitzes like we thought that we would see so far this year because usually he's showing these complicated cover zero looks and fronts, but somebody is always dropping back. So that's why I think like the blitz rate this year and how that's calculated by whether it's PFF, pro football reference, whatever, why that's calculated this year is a little bit, I don't want to say suspect, but you have to put an asterisk on it just because of Wink Martindale is still not just bringing the house, but he's being smart and responsible with how he brings these pass rushers from these unconventional and spots. And they also on early downs just run, they rush from five man fronts where it's like they're rushing right. five, which is a blitz, but they're not throwing you anything crazy. But when you have four guys who can win, well, guess what? Then that's when you Ryder Anderson gets sacks in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. When you have Which the- I thought the commanders actually did a good job of, like when Henry Mundo was in the game, they're running at Henry Mundo. When Ryder Anderson mm-hmm. was in I the game on that. early downs, when Ryder Anderson was in the game on early downs, they're running towards Ryder Anderson, and Ryder Anderson's being carried like, you know, seven yards down the field. It's like, you know, these are UDFA you know, practice squad guys that are being elevated just because the Giants have no other choice. And of course, the linebackers are really bad too, um, you know, which obviously that gets to the bad side of the defense. But the good side of the defense and the things that Wink Martindale can control, pressure breaks, pipes, bringing these guys from funky spots and also just relying on your front four guys to win, which they certainly did today, changed the game, allowed the Giants to win this game. Wink Martindale not getting enough credit for what he's doing um, as a defensive play caller well, right let's now. Let's talk about why he deserves credit in the negative parts of the defense. Um, we'll start with the DBs. Whenever there wasn't a pass rush winning in this game, the DBs were getting absolutely cooked. Like the wide receiver trio of Terry McLaurin, uh, Jahan Dawson, and Curtis Samuel, I mean, they got whatever they wanted. You know, they had a combined 13 catches on 17 targets, you know, so caught 77% of their catches for 219 yards. I mean, they, those guys were averaging 17 yards per catch. Um, you know, whether you sit, like when they sat in zone a little bit, they were getting the underneath stuff, and Terry McLaurin was getting yak. And then you get back in man, and then, you know, Jahan Dotson's beating Nick McLeod on a post route. Um, you know, uh, Jahan Dotson's getting over the top on, you know, and Jahan Dotson's a good player. He's got good ball skills for a guy who's kind of a, more of a slot receiver in the NFL, but has that over Pinnock. I mean, every single DB got attacked and kind of got exposed at points. Whether it was Darnay at times, and Darnay could have got called for a DPI at the end. Nick yeah. McLeod, the touchdown. Nick McLeod also had to drop the interception. Um, Pinnock had a good play on a third and seven, but he did give up that Jahan Dotson play at the end of the game, which was you know, pretty pretty brutal. Um, I thought Pinnock had a, obviously that big explosive play is, Brutal. That's the biggest, most explosive pass and play of the Commanders' day, and that completely changes that game. But I thought Jason Pinnock had a really solid game. Like there were times where I think you know he he made you know made some nice tackles, you know showing speed and acceleration, and you know certain things that we saw him as a deep safety. You know saw him struggle a little bit these last couple weeks, and you know it's hard to blame him. I mean that's supposed to be Xavier McKinney's role. So I thought Pinnock had probably his best game as a Giant. So far this year, obviously, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth when you allow that you know deep explosive passing play. But Bobby, I, I I got to a point where Terry McLaurin really got going that you know that lone touchdown drive that the Commanders had. Terry McLaurin really got going. 
and then the Dotson explosive play where Pinnock allows the catch, I was really, really worried. I had this thought in my head. I said, are we really going to end this game and say again that if Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney are here, that we win this game? Because correct me if I'm wrong, Adoree Jackson on Terry McLaurin and Xavier McKinney would be that deep safety that Jason Pinnock was playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we need those guys back. But like, awesome, we got a W. But these next three games, to make sure we don't blow this, like we need those guys back. Yeah, I don't think X is coming back. I do think, I, I hope Adoree Adore should uh, be. I mean, Xavier McKinney, there's I'm no real timetable on. I'm praying Adoree Jackson, even though we, even if we lose that game next week against the Vikings, I mean, just Justin Jefferson versus Fabian Moreau, like, let's not do that, please. Yeah, I mean, we need, we have to have <laughs> Adore down the stretch. You know, he's, he's definitely a lot more valuable than McKinney to me. Um, other negatives with the defense, the run defense. Jaylen's when they handed the ball off to not Curtis Samuel, which by the way, Kayvon, just some great stuff versus Curtis Samuel. You know, he had three tackles for a loss. When they just hand the ball off to Robinson or Gibson, 17 carries, 110 yards, six and a half yards per carry. Now, when you have a lead, uh, and a two, two, you know, a two score lead, it doesn't allow them to just run the rock like they did in the last game. Yep. So that helped. Yep. But Jalen Smith, this is, I, you know me, I, 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 do do my best to not over exaggerate. I think he's the worst Mike linebacker we've had since I, we started talking Giants. He is so bad. He is one. He's slow to get to the worst play. than Alec Ogletree, huh? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, he gets totally bullied. He does not get downhill. He's out of place, and he's literally like falling down in coverage. Like he's he's just lost in coverage. He is. I I just never seen one of our linebackers get bullied. You know, and Michael McFadden has some issues, but at least Michael McFadden will play aggressive and get downhill. He can shed some blocks. Jalen Smith does nothing from the Mike linebacker position. Like it's so, so bad. And I and I know that Tay Crowder's in the doghouse, healthy scratch, but you punished him. I think it's time to just play him. And again, Tay Crowder is not good, but he is better. He is a lot better than what they have in Jalen Smith. And the you know the rushing totals have shown that. Um, if you look at a before and after stat, like they. Jalen Smith is a huge liability, um, yeah. and I don't think Tay Crowder fixes it, but it's like it's just so, so I've, I, he just gets bullied, man. It's a little it's better. so, so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, I, I think everybody in the country who watched that game saw that Jalen Smith was bad, and I'm going to make the executive decision that the Giants won the game. We know that it's bad. We know that – I mean, I – I'm going to agree with you and wholeheartedly say that Tay Crowder will make it better, but it, he still doesn't make it that much better. And I'm going to choose to move on from this topic. <laughs> Unless you have anything else to say. Well, no, it's just, it's it's an issue that it's just, if the it's Giants bad, don't it's really have bad. a lead. Like, if any team, and especially like we're playing the Vikings next week, um, you know, they just decide to run the ball. Like they're going to do it with success. Like it's been consistent. Again, they're, they're running backs average six and a half yards per carry. And it's, it's one of those things where I guess teams want to play from their offense. But if I was just specifically game planning for the Giants, but like, just run the ball. Like I'd be talking about us. Like we talked yeah. about the Texans, like just, just run the ball. You will win the game. If you run the ball on them, Um, you know, but then you do like Curtis Samuel had five carries for a, a yard. You know, they got they get cute with it. And then, you know, the pass rush. Um, one positive note, though, and I don't want to overreact um, because you could look at any single game and Mike McFadden will have the same amount of plays. 
Like, make- but is Landon Collins the best linebacker on the team? If you want to say it, I'm fine with. it. I'm not going to overreact and just flat out say it. But he had like he had the run stop when he first came in the game on early downs, and then there was a third and three where they did hand it off to Curtis Samuel. He makes a stop right there. Like he definitely there was there was some aggressiveness and downhill ability you saw from Landon Collins playing from that true linebacker spot, and it was re- it was refreshing. You know, I'm not saying I'm not going to be. I'm not going to freak out if he's not playing like full-time reps, but he should be put to the active roster. Um, you know, especially if they only, they only have three active linebackers on the team. One was a healthy scratch and take Crowder. Like he should be added to the active roster now that his practice squad elevations have run out. Yeah. We'll figure out, you know, maybe how they can do that. I really don't know on the top of my head if they have all 53 spots occupied. They do. Um, yeah, so they would have to make some sort of move, do something uh, to get that spot open. So I don't know, but I, I agree with you where if there's – dude, do they like – no, you can't cut Tay Crowder. But I put mean, Shane it's, Lemieux it's on crazy. IR. Shane, yeah, put Shane Lemieux on IR. That opens up a spot. There you go. That's the move. That's the move to make. Figure it um, out. So, yeah, but that – I mean, that was in a revenge game for Landon Collins. It was refreshing to see him out there getting downhill. Um you know, he didn't play a ton of snaps, um, but he did well in, in the rules that he had. Um, do you have anything else on the defense? No. Landon Collins was literally my last note. Do I have any other? No. Why don't you, ta- Pass rush. Why don't you talk about Candlewick Diner? Oh, yeah. Candlewick Diner located just a mile up the road from MetLife Stadium. They are sponsoring today's episode. You know we love talking about the Candlewick Diner. Hopefully you went to the Candlewick Diner on Sunday because if you mention talking Giants on a Giants game day at the Candlewick Diner, this this deal expires. Maybe I'll ask Manny. Maybe I'll ask Manny if you maybe they can maybe they could push it into January as well. Because especially if we're gonna be playing a playoff game and you want to stop at the Candlewick Diner on a Giants game day to get a pregame meal or to get a postgame dessert, you mentioned talking Giants, you'll get a free dessert. They have a full-service bar, in-house bakery, and free delivery. They have an extensive menu from breakfast to burgers, steaks, and pasta. It is a spot that's frequently visited by Giants player. Bobby, who was a who was a favorite of yours, an offensive player, a favorite of, your, of yours from training camp? Offensive player? Yep, he was a he was one of your favorite UDFAs as well. And you're a sucker for converts, people that convert from positions. On offense. Andre Miller? He broke his he broke Yes, Andre Miller just found out all the stars are going to the Candlewick Diner. Just found out Andre Miller frequently visits the Candlewick Diner. Huge. If you want to run into Andre Miller, go to the Candlewick Diner. And I want you to check out the Candlewick Diner in East Weatherford, New Jersey for all your diner favorites. I put the you know, we put the website in the in our description too, so you can check it out there too. Word up! You'll be glad you did. I'm I'm excited the next time I'm out there to get Canwick Diner. All right, offensively, now they only scored 13 points, so a win definitely put some some lipstick on the pig. Um, mm. I thought there were some good offensive adjustments for this game uh, compared to you know like you know first down passing. We'll talk about like I charted like success rate, um, you know, running and passing on first down. Um, now with that, there came some conservative, uh, conservative play with it. Uh, yeah. Can I tell you a stat that Daniel Jones didn't have any throws over 15 yards? Not just that. Um, you know, cause you can, 
you could still maybe push the envelope in terms of throwing towards the chains a little bit, but not throw it over 15 yards. Jones averaged on all of his attempts, minus 5.2 average yards to the sticks on his attempts today. That is super, super ultra conservative. And his average depth of target was 3.7 yards. I don't know if I've ever seen a number that low. <laughs> so the par- the parts I like about that is that they knew running the ball on early downs, and again, the Giants have not been a good handoff team, was not going to work. It just flat out was not going to work against this front. Um, but also, like the versus front, the pass rush is deadly, and Evan Neal was very bad early in the game, which confirmed some yeah. of their issues. So they were getting the ball out quick. Like there was a like, hey, we want to throw the ball, but we also don't want to take sacks. And again, there's zero sacks in this game. We want to get the ball out quick, which there's positives yeah, and, and really, negatives to that, though. Yeah, and I, you know, we've been asking for them to start utilizing the quick intermediate passing game a little bit more often and especially on early downs and what I thought some of those early down passes did I thought like those outs to Darius Slayton take that for example that kind of stuff is an extension of the running game if the running game isn't there for you one of the most important things on first down you know no shit Sherlock Justin moment one of the most important things on early downs is to be efficient and to and to either avoid third down altogether or to set yourself in a positive situation on third down which you know the Giants on third down they were kind of pitiful today um but that's what I thought in certain moments the early down passes set them up nicely on second down well yeah and I I you know, I went and charted it like did this series turn did this first down turn into another first down when they pa- I think at one point it was 90% of the time. Yeah, I think that's it, I think it was about that. On passing when they passed the ball on first down, it turned into another first down 11 out of 13 times. Um Yeah. You know, for 72 that's yards, awesome. not a ton of yards. And then when they were rushing at uh, uh, it turned into a first down 7 out of 12 times. Um but the final drive was four of those seven, you know. Um you know, like they're rushing on on first down with twelve carries for sixty yards. Uh, the first five, you know, the final drive was five carries for forty five yards rushing, and that includes, I think, a breeder run, uh, and then seven for fifteen before that. Um, so this game offensively is kind of a game of like they had one really good drive, which for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, but um, even though Saquon didn't have a ton of yards early in the game rushing wise. Uh, like he was rush running hard, and that ended up leading to guess what? Breaking some big runs towards the end of the game, um, you know. But Daniel Jones, that own their only touchdown drive, he went ten for 12, 91 yards, converted a thirty nine yep. fourth. I mean, that was a gutsy, gutsy yep. drive. And again, a thirty nine and a fourth and nine. Like we talk about, Richie James putting up empty yards. Those were not empty yards on that drive. Like there were some big boy tough throws with with bad protection that he hung in there and made those throws. Um, and in that eighteen play drive, Bobby, there was a false start penalty and there was a minus five Saquon Barkley run, which I believe that was one of the only negative rushing plays of the day, where John Feliciano just got absolutely embarrassed and blown up. Um, so th- you know there were two negative plays of minus five yards on that drive, and Brian Dable was talking about this at the end too. And I mean, if you're if you're a listener of this show, especially if you've been listening for like the past two or three years, you know you you know how often I talk about explosive plays. You know how often I talk about oh, it is so difficult to run so many plays in a given drive where you know the 
most of the time, if you see 10, 11, 12 play drives, you're going to see those drives like eventually stall and end up in field goals versus touchdowns because somebody's going to commit a holding penalty. Somebody's going to drop a ball, da, 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 especially when you have the deficiency that the Giants offense has. That 18 play, 98 yard drive that took up like eight minutes and 35 fucking seconds. That was an unreal unreal drive and this is where i also think like this is one of like i think two or three situations this game where i felt like finally since the brian dable two-point conversion week one where i thought those data innovation people and all those coaches that are in the booth for brian dable that i thought that was an advantage and brian dable said in his post-game presser that going for it on that fourth and nine, which I'll tell you what, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if I agreed with that, but I mean, it obviously worked and it ended up at seven points for the Giants, which that's key too. When you com- when you get a fourth down conversion like that, you don't want it to eventually end up in three points. If you convert a huge gutsy fourth down like that, you want eventually to lead to lead to seven points. But this was a game for one of the first times this year since the Tennessee game where I felt all those football data innovation people, all these Ivy League people that Brian Dable just mentioned that he talks with every single week and you know they manage the timeouts, clock management, I thought it was awesome. And I actually thought that was like a full-on advantage for the Giants today. And man, you saw it on that fourth and nine going for it there instead of kicking the field goal. Um, and they finished it and they got seven points, which was super awesome. Yeah, I wonder how much of that was gut version. Like he, I know he gave credit for the analytic guys, but they, there's a fourth and eight with 10 minutes left in the game. At the Washington 42, so it's essentially, it's essentially the exact same situation, where like that was like a ballsy go for on fourth. That was like, that was like, a, is the win this bad? Like like fourth down call, and then obviously yeah, we're at the time. At the time, I thought it was the weather, but then Brian Dable said after the game that he said they discussed that on Wednesday. That was a situation that I don't know how you discuss that situation, but you know they get they're paid to be very good at their jobs, and I'm sitting uh, you know behind a microphone. Yeah, Dave's kind of that's um, kind of his his. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get a true answer about a fourth down if he's just like, hey, I, I felt that it was important that we get a, a touchdown on this drive. But he said that they discussed it on. He Wednesday, says that for so, every um, single time he's asked about fourth down decisions, oh, yeah? like this, that's something we well, discussed throughout him. the week. Which again, they I'll do discuss throughout we the week, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not convinced that any coach, let alone Brian Dable, is just. All right, what do you guys say? All right, go for it. All right, sounds good. Like they talk about that stuff, but yeah. How how much again? How much did they discuss going for it on fourth and nine? But I mean, but I mean, you know, we we knew going in, you know, because we follow this team every single day, every single move that they make, every single hire that they make. It was a shame throughout, especially the second half of this season, and as the offense has kind of sputtered out of control a little bit, it's still kind of you know not obviously awesome because you know, they they only scored one offensive touchdown, but you know I felt the the coaching advantage that I thought that we had during the first half of the season and the aggression, those are just things that you know we haven't seen and that's been missing, and I felt that that element of the game that also was an awesome challenge too on that fumble. Because um, at the time, I'm thinking Brian Dable throws that challenge flag when Taylor Heineke fumbles the ball, Leonard Williams recovers it. I'm thinking, like, at, in, in real time, I'm thinking, that is not a fumble. We're, we're just going to lose a timeout. And that was an awesome challenge. They got that in quick. Um, and also, the way that they managed the timeouts towards the end of the game, too, if the commander scored, they would have had, like, one or two timeouts left and still be able to possibly kick a field goal there in a two-minute situation. So I thought kind of everything was managed perfectly, and um, obviously you win the game and you say that it's managed perfectly, but that's just how this business works. I almost wonder if his fourth down call was like in response to Ron Rivera, 
because Ron, you know, remember Ron Rivera punched early in the game. Richie James has the big punt return, uh, which it would been like a fifty-yard field goal. Richie James returns it, ends up being like a net four-yard punt. You know, yeah. Um, in their own, I wonder if it's almost in, like in response to that. Um, let's talk about the reasons why that they only they didn't throw the ball over fifteen yards. Now, this is one that's something we won't know for sure until I get to watch the all twenty-two film. But the benefit of Sunday Night Football is they do show a good amount of replays. They mm-hmm. were not throwing the ball like they were not running concepts past the sticks. Like they, 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 the Commanders played out of two high safeties, and I think that just they know the Commanders are a team that wants to play out of the two high safeties. Um, they knew their offensive line issues, and they just kind of shied away from it. Which, to me, I understand that. Like work the quick game, but when especially the Commanders, we've seen it like over the past since since Jack Del Rio has been their defensive coordinator and Ron Rivera has been there, like. Their safeties take chances, and it just leaves guys wide open downfield. And again, maybe we'll go back and watch it on film. There will be some stuff there. But almost every single time they showed a replay and where you could see the routes developing down the field, there was never like a concepts down the field. The only one where you could say maybe was that third down where DJ threw it to Saquon and it almost got intercepted. Hodgins had a yeah. one-on-one. He didn't beat him, but he had a one-on-one. Like You could say maybe pull the trigger on that. But that might have even just been a clear out when you go back and look at it. So I think that's where, uh, you know, they only scored 13 points. Like that's my, that's my criticism of Mike Kafka. And this is a Brian Dale because this was obviously a game planning for the Washington commanders type thing is I understand not wanting to play into their D line. And, and I like the, you know, drop back passing. Like at one point in the game, Chris Collinsworth said it. He's like, surprise, like they're doing a lot of shotgun passing. They're not really doing their play action bread and butter. Dude, I, I actually want to, it's a shame that, you know, sharp football stats doesn't track the personal grouping frequency anymore, but they ran out of empty the most that they have ran all season long. Ton of empty sets. Yeah, so they're getting the ball out quick, but it's just every time, every time they showed replays, like they are not attacking these safeties at all and it led to some bad third down i mean they were two for ten on third downs today yeah no that was not good um, third down was definitely their worst down of the you know night. if yeah. cave on that if that cave on you know sack is not a strip sack it's just a sack you know we, we might be a very different tune about the offense in this game but they got a lead they yep. held it um and part of that was saquon barkley again on that last drive he had five carries for 45 yards Three plays over 10 yards. I mean, just bang, like bang, bang, bang. Like, would pass the 50. Three plays in a row. Yeah, three plays in a row, which is, I think is as many as he's had in over the last, like, month. That last drive, Justin, 45 rushing yards, that's more rushing yards than he's had in three of his last four games. <laughs> three of his last four games. Like, yeah. it, was get, it was getting set to be another, like, Daniel Jones was a better rushing option than Saquon Barkley in this game, and he's outrushed him over the last five games, blah, 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 blah. Like, those things were going to happen. And but he did run hard earlier in the game, like he was pushing the pile, you know. And there was like some second and twos and stuff where he converted, where it's like three yards, but it is a successful run. And then O line really stepped up in that last drive. He hit the yeah, O line opening up some holes, and he made people he broke tackles today too, you know, whether it was in the hole or on a swing pass where he just totally broke down John Bostic and that was a huge play. Was that squatting. during the eighteen play drive that he did that? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Saquon Barkley making dudes miss and breaking tackles. I mean, this is, you know, things that we have talked about over the last few weeks being a little frustrated. 
um, with, with, with Saquon Barkley not being able to break tackles and then not getting the nitty-gritty tough yards that he got that he did get towards the first half of the season. Uh, I don't want to say that, oh, it, he really looks like the first half of Saquon Barkley because I'm not going to go that far. No, but, but he did. It was just, he made people miss today. It was today. an awesome sign. He ran hard, and he wasn't hesitant, which is like we had not seen that Saquon yeah. Barkley in a, in, in a while. You know, again, he, he, he didn't Brunson, look like some absolute superstar out there, but he did do his job and he did it well. And Ben Bredesen, I think, was the guard that was out there for that, like one of the one of the final offensive drives where they had those three plays of, you know, 10 plus rushing yard plays on consecutive consecutively. And there were some plays that Ben Bredesen and Andrew Thomas were moving up to the secondary level, opening up, opening up some holes. So I'm excited for you to break that down in the O-line report. I'm sure, you know, those plays are going to be lined up for yeah, you. I'm to excited do. to get back to Ben Bredesen, you know, see Ben Bredesen and see what he was able to. And it is Nick Gates for center. Ben Bredesen left guard. No excuse. Ben yep. Bredesen's back. You you wanted to ease him back in. Fine. He's back. Put Nick Gates at center. Um, other offensive no- notes did you have? Uh, Neil was really worrisome the first half. He did settle in a little bit, but I mean, there's just games where Evan Neal's just a bad pass blocker. Not like ha- you know, like yeah. he's just a bad pass blocker. Which three games left in the season? Let's let's let's. Let's make these three strong ones, or or at least four, because we're going to the playoffs. Um, damn right about that. I mean, Montez Sweat is not an easy matchup, but still, I mean that that was though there were some bad bad plays. But I mean, the one positive though, Daniel Jones didn't take any sacks, which is you know that's credit to Daniel Jones too. There were a few times where he got that ball out, um, you know, didn't really result in completions on some throws, but he got that ball out um, in enough time, and he also didn't fumble. Um, which was which is really helpful too. So no sacks tonight for the Commanders. I think they had four sacks during the first matchup, and there were times there were some disaster plays from specifically Evan Neal. I think Glowinski had a disaster play in there where he just allowed you know somebody to kick his ass right away. But there were times where Daniel Jones was able to sit in that pocket, sit in that pocket, and really just wait for something to develop. So uh, I thought this offensive line played overall, besides some disaster plays, specifically on the right side, I thought this offensive line had a really, really solid game. Yeah, they they did. Like you said, there wasn't a ton of initial losses besides Evan Neal. Um, You know, Thomas had a nice, you know, shutout game. I think this was probably a zero sack, zero hit, zero pressure game for him. Uh, Chase Young still doesn't want to play him. I, and my computer crashed. I was literally screenshotting a picture of Chase Young. Like, looks like Andrew Thompson's family came out for the game mm. today. Um, yeah. So again, I, I want to see development out of Neil, just because, like, hey, I, I want to see my rookie tackle play well. Um, Hodgins, man. Like, I know we, you know, joked about the Fireside Giants t- uh, graphic of him, and again, he's not some long-term piece, but he had he made some key plays, and I. I we don't like to we don't talk about it much, but like he was a really good blocker at some points in this game, um, and I think that shouldn't get totally unnoticed. You know, in a game where Slayton didn't put up a ton of yards, you know, and and the the Commanders were jumping on the quick game, like they were they just were. Um, you know, we saw that the first drive of the game where they threw those two hitches to they ran their their version of stick, which is different than Jason Garrett's, and Saquon got a lot of catches like this because they run Saquon as the flat out of the back. Uh, backfield and they use uh, Slayton out of, as like the little stick route, but they were jumping on those quick game things. So good on DJ for adjusting to it. 
but it just was kind of a game where they weren't going to make Saqu- or Slayton a huge target of it. But so good for Hodges. He had four catches on four targets. You know, he had that big play that got them down in the goal to go uh, situation on their one sole touchdown drive. Yeah. Also, Bellinger had let. So Bellinger was caught one pass on four targets. That's more. He had he had only had two targets this year where he didn't catch the ball coming into this game. It's also tough because Daniel Bellinger just hasn't been targeted. I'm not even going to say near or at the sticks. He just hasn't been targeted on anything that isn't like a flat route or a check down. Like he, like that, DJ like missed that him a little bit he, on that third down. Missed him a little bit, but dude, you, I mean, catch you're, it, you're NFL tight end. You got two hands on it. You got to catch the ball. Daniel Jones, you know, he did put a little bit of a zip on it. Um, I feel like that was the same play. Same route that he ran as to when he got his eye poked out against the Jags. As Bobby Skinner has a sneezing fit. Unfortunately, he muted himself. Yeah, so I feel Daniel Bellinger catching that ball. It was a very similar route that he ran as to when he got his eye poked out in, in Jacksonville. So do you agree with that? I don't remember. You don't remember. Tough. But he doesn't get those opportunities to catch a ball down the field like that. So, uh, Anything else on the offense? What did you – we talked about Saquon, good recovery. What did you think of DJ's game? Um, I mean, the obviously the scoring drive was like that was a great, great drive. Um, it just It just seemed like there was a very clear emphasis on the quick game and getting the ball out and not taking sacks because like – and I agree with it. Like they did not want to – Run the ball on first down because they they kind of realized like we're not a good run, we're not a good handoff team anymore. So I thought he played well. Um, drive sputtered out, but again, like on those third downs is when they most show the replays, and it's like there's just nothing to throw to at the sticks. Um, you right. know, and that's where if you look at this game, like how did DJ play efficiently? But they didn't, you know, they only scored 13 points. Um, you know, like like we did those like those those drives of like turning into a first down is just, they kept on sputtering out on third downs. Um, you know, and that's where I thought if they're, I think third downs is like where if you were going to take some chances, you should have. So the all 22 will tell a better story. Cause it could be like, Hey, he missed three wide open things, but there was the only play where I'm like, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a bad Daniel Jones play was the, where he almost got picked on the throw to Saquon. Right. Right. Um, now, now, the anti-Daniel Jones people will say, Justin, you're really reaching, bro. And then the pro-Daniel Jones people will say, yes, I agree with this. I thought this easily could have been a game. And Daniel Jones has done this in some primetime situations. Like, I think back to, like, both Bucks games that he's played on Monday Night Football. This could have easily been a game. And the game could have come down to Daniel Jones making one of those what the fuck are you doing, bro, type of throws, type of decisions, holding onto the ball, fumbling the ball in the pocket. Thank God he got his elbow down on that rushing attempt. Um, you know, didn't ha- you know, we almost had a flashback to two weeks ago when the fumble kind of costed us uh, you know, that game a little bit. But Daniel Jones just not making mistakes. And also, a lot of people like to talk about, oh, the Giants when they rush for over thirty the Giants radio people were doing this. The Giants uh running for over thirty yards. They're they're eight and zero and one. Um, you know, where excuse me, when they run for over thirty rushing attempts, how they're eight eight and zero and one. Um, you know, and usually when the Giants throw for over thirty attempts, they'll bring up the stats that the Giants are oh for whatever. 
Daniel Jones had over 30 pass attempts today, and the Giants won the game. So it's not impossible to throw the ball a lot and also win the game, Bobby. It's not yeah. impossible. They did only score 13 points, though, so I don't think – like, there's there's things that obviously have to be fixed about this passing game. Um, and yeah. a lot so, – things sucks can't that... be fixed until the offseason. But – Yeah, it just sucks that, man, there's just no element of explosivity. That's really the, just the main thing that they're missing because they're running a lot of plays – you know, you had over 30 rushing attempts and you had, you know, over 30 passing attempts for, for Daniel Jones. They're running a lot of plays. They ran 18 plays on that, you know, the the scoring drive. They ran, I think, nine or 10 plays on that, you know, one of the final drives of the game where Saquon had the three, you know, three consecutive 10-plus rushing yard plays. There's just no opportunity on this offense besides Darius Slayton just catching a ball 15, 20-plus yards down the field on a streak. There's just no opportunity to be explosive, and that is what this offense is missing. You can run a lot of those plays, and it's cool and fine and dandy to sustain those drives, but if you're not going to get anything that's going to flip the script, it's tough to score a lot of points. Yeah, they. but I think there, there's op, those opportunities are, are there. I think they coach a little scared of sacks. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. somewhat understand, but I don't know. They, they pulled out a win, though. Um Act more excited. Though, I'm buddy. glad Thomas McGahey is really respected because our special teams suck. Like they are consistently putting us in bad situations. Our special teams, like they, again, we're trying to close the game out, and there's Graham Gano getting freaking put, you know, pushed off the off the turf, and just putting them in great position. Like, anyways, that that should be a that should be a situation. By the way, where it's less than two minutes to go, Washington gets the ball back. That should be a situation where you should feel confident in your special teams to make a stop because you want the kick, you want the returner to return the ball so time can tick off the clock. But you're just you don't want them returning it back to the fifty yard line. Yeah. Special teams has to make a play there. And then Dotson has a huge play, and then it's like, all right. Which all right. Darnie Holmes will get blamed for that one. That was more good good scheme, but Darnie Holmes, I mean, all of our DBs are struggling. Uh, every every single every single cornerback on this team is struggling, and Cordell Flott is like even if he was good in coverage, Cordell Flott gets bullied in the run game, like flat out bullied. You know that's where it's like the weight issue, like is actually a real thing in the NFL. Um, so that's an episode. Unless you Whoa. have anything else, yeah, uh, Julian, you've been with us for forty nine minutes and you haven't said one word. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm a big France guy, so I had the mm, World tough Cup this tough morning. day. And I still haven't got over that, and I probably won't for four years. Honestly. Four years. That probably. was one of the better World Cups. Like, the only other World Cup I'll remember more than that is the Italy, France, Zinedine Zidane one. And that was mostly just because Zinedine Zidane headbutted a dude. That, that is the same with me outside of the last World Cup, just because I remember France winning. That was awesome. But, yeah, my like when I think of it as a kid watching the World Cup, I remember watching Zidane headbutt that guy. Cause he made fun of his mom or whatever. And I was in France, like watching with my whole French family. And I, I only like recently in the past couple of years figured out that we lost that game. Cause to me, that memory was just nothing but happiness. I just remember this man headbutting a dude, but yeah, today was definitely the, the craziest world, the craziest soccer game ever. I mean, they were up two zero and came back. I have a lot of friends who are Guatemalan and they just like Argentina is their team, which is mm. like, and it's like, well, did you, I understand Guatemala is like suspended from FIFA, but it's like 
you're not from Argentina. But they they like root for Argentina like it's diehard. I I I literally on Snapchat. Anytime one team would score a goal, I'd change my Snapchat outfit and be like, that's it. We got it. And so now Argentina will be my Snapchat outfit for the next, their jersey for the next four years. The next year, you're, you commit to it for four years. Yeah. My, it changed from Uruguay was mine, uh, last time. I think I, cause I think Uruguay beat Argentina in the last World Cup and I did it just to piss off my Guatemalan friends. Oh, man. And I just, I'll tell never you what though. It. I'll tell you what though, Julian, that Mbappe kid is like, he literally carried the team like on his back yeah i mean he's he's unreal it, it sucks that nobody will remember his performance today they'll just remember messi winning but i mean he had a hat trick it what could have what could have been a, a hat trick at 23 to win back-to-back world cups and knock the goat out but it didn't come out to that and i mean he's know. won a world cup he had a hat trick in his second at 23 years old like now, don't take these things for granted because you're not guaranteed to get back to them. But it's like he's gonna go, like he's gonna have a hell of a career. Yeah, and that's that's talking soccer. Yeah, um, that's that's talking soccer sh- for you. But, oh, and Justin, by the way, being like the announcer said something about smoking cigarettes, and it's like one, uh, smoking Woody was proud too. That's Landon Donovan, dude. That's like the best U.S. soccer player ever. Well, I I not love the that. Announcer. By the way. I've I've vouched that the next time the Giants win a Super Bowl, I'm smoking a cig. Like I I'm I've I've vowed to do that, and I cannot wait. Um, hopefully it hap- Hopefully it happens this year. Julian, you coming to our playoff event, bud? Hell yeah, I want to go to the playoffs. You're gonna come to our playoff event? Yeah, I want to go. All right, you're in. Nope, that's not where we're gonna have it. I I don't wanna I don't wanna fully cement where we're having it yet. Um, but just be prepared. Well, we don't even know if we're fully having it yet. We're oh, just kind of so thinking we're going to have it. We're having it. We're having a playoff event. I mean, I will, only, I will host people thing, in my apartment. The only thing that would make me not want to go is if the Bucks host the Giants. <laughs> That's impossible, basically. Is it? I mean, what are the what's the Cowboys record? I don't know. They're like two games ahead of us still. They just yeah, I, lost their third game, I think, or their I fourth. I don't see that happening. No, um, no, no, but I mean, keep keeping the keep in the back of your brains, people. Uh, Talking Giants will be having a playoff event in the New Jersey, New York area. Uh, we will reveal, um, we will reveal location when we fully know. But and hey, when I mean, we always are fully guaranteed. We ninety yeah. percent chance according to ESPN. So the nerds say we're in. A lot of All people right? are like believe in jinxes and be mad at you. I don't believe in jinxes, but I'm also like, we'll let you know when we'll actually make it. But we have a idea But I'm just something. I'm giving you the heads up. I'm giving you the heads up that you know when we tell our audience to go do something or be part of something, show up to something, you guys and you gals usually well, the place do we're it. looking at has a pool. I'm gonna jump in the pool if we if Maybe maybe if we win, I'll jump in the pool. If we lose, Justin will jump in the pool. I I would I would love to do that. But I mean, just keep it in the back of your brain that you know when we tell you to show up to this playoff event, we would love to have you, and it would be huge if you can come and support and just watch the game with us and hang out with us and watch the game together as Giants fans. So we're going to the playoffs, though. I don't care. We're going. Danny King broke some news about the Nick Gates Ben Bredesen rotation. He did, and two weeks in a row, dude. Renan won't won't credit uh credit us. Like, We're gonna he, ask. Does him he about not that. realize that the Tony Award voting is in like two weeks? We're gonna ask him about that. Um, we are. In reality, I was hoping someone would tweet without crediting Danny King, so we can be like, please credit Danny King. Like that's yep. always the better, the better outcome. 
Agreed. Um, people called us out on it. I was like, wow, Danny King is breaking news. And they're like, you literally said that on this week's podcast that you're going to get some news and, and give it to Danny King to break. No. But we Danny King broke it. We didn't say that. Um, but that's how new, that's how the news breaking game works. So Danny King got his first scoop. Very proud of, uh, of young Daniel. Um, we'll give Julian the next one. No, we're not giving Julian any scoops. <laughs> Tough. Tough for Julian. You know I wouldn't post it. It just wouldn't make any sense. Maybe we'll just give it to some like random person, like um, snacks. We have to give it to snacks. We'll do like a Patreon raffle. Like you get we to can, break this news. <laughs> you want to break news? Okay. Um, but we gotta get some big news. Like I, someone, someone was like, you know, the left guard rotation isn't on too many people's minds. Saquon Barkley getting an MRI is not very big news. Um. So that's an episode. We'll be back on Wednesday with a mailbag, O-line report, film review, winning, winning, winning. Everything's Everything tastes better when you win. So mm. enjoy the Victory Monday. Anything else, guys, before we go? Love yous. All right. We will see you guys on Wednesday for a mailbag pod. Make sure to check out all the continent. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>